Welcome to the Wheats on Your Mind podcast. My name is Aaron Harries. Wheats on Your Mind is brought to you by the Kansas Wheat Commission and Kansas Association of Wheat Growers. Our guest for this episode is Jill Zimmerman. Jill is the president of the Kansas Agriculture and Rural Leadership Program, better known as the CARL Program. CARL is a nonprofit educational organization dedicated to developing leaders for agriculture, business, and rural communities. In 1989, a group of 20 individuals from across Kansas agriculture met to discuss the need for an extensive educational program designed to build a leadership base for rural Kansas, and the first meeting for the CARL board was held October 3rd, 1989, and in 1990, CARL Incorporated was formed. Since 1991, over 400 participants have honed their leadership skills and developed invaluable connections for the betterment of rural communities and Kansas agriculture. Jill, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. So for the benefit of listeners, give us a refresher on what the CARL program is all about. Well, you just told us what we it's all about. <laughs> Dig deeper for <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, Aaron. So, yeah, the CARL, it's a deep, it's an experiential experience that occurs for folks over the course of two years. Applicants make application to be a part of the program. And through those 52 days, we have experiences throughout the state of Kansas, Washington, D.C., Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and then the capstone for the two-year program is an international experience. For this current class, that, that will be in Spain. So really, Aaron, it's about a taking a deeper immersion into better understanding ourselves, how we can do better in our communities, how can we do better for agriculture. And so it's really expanding upon what those forefathers thought back in the, in the late 80s. The example I'd like to give about how successful the program has been is the organizations I work for, Kansas Wheat, has two boards, one for the Wheat Commission and one for the Association of Wheat Growers. And if I ask members of those boards to hold up their hands if they've graduated from the CARL program, almost half of them will raise their hands. So that speaks a lot for the success of the program. What do you see as the major successes of the program? You've been a participant and now a CEO. You know, Aaron, that's a tricky question, right? Like, how do you monitor? How do you gauge what success success is? And I think sometimes that's tricky in the role that I sit in now because sometimes you may not see immediately the success of a certain participant or when they reach their ahas. But an example of a success story that I like to share is, you know, there was a member from class 14. We had in that class two, I believe this is correct, two vocational ag instructors. And there was a community in Kansas that didn't have a VOAG program. And so long story short, there's now a vocational agriculture program in that community. And that really stems from their participation in the CARL program of why that came about. And so I think like, it's just the power of the network, right? We become, I think our lives are meant and designed to be in person, right? And through these in-person experiences, you have this experiential experience and ideas are spawned and things happen. I think it's been important to you uh, to really develop what we call the fellows program. So as soon as you graduate from the CARL program, you become a fellow. And and that is more about wearing that label or that cap about the CARL program. But why is it important to you to keep the alumni from the program involved? 
It's like a fraternity. It's like a sorority. It's like a, you know, being a graduate of Kansas State University or Oklahoma State University, whatever, wherever you call that, that brotherhood or sisterhood occurs. And it's also like mentoring and pouring into a different generation of leaders that are going to have impact on the state of Kansas and beyond. Certainly, we like to focus a majority of our efforts within our borders, but we also recognize that if we can positively impact within the state, that it also impacts at a greater scale. And, and I really think that's like, if as we project forward and we look into the future, I think that's where the greatest, some of the greater successes can come from the program is, is connecting those over 450 fellows with current associates in the class and bridging the gaps between you were a class 11 and I was a class five. And so how can we make that brotherhood or that sisterhood just more robust and have more in-person, more dialogue, network, more networking so that you can create more positive impact? Well, let's take a look at that two-year curriculum and just start with year one. So you've got this group of how many in a class right now? 30. 30 people in a class. And they're from, from all walks of life, from rural America, rural Kansas, or the agriculture sector, and you're, you're getting them together in one room. That's kind of the leaping off point. How, how do you get that group to become cohesive? It takes a lot of intentional effort, right, to bring a, a, class, a group of 30 people. And Aaron, I like to say that, honestly, it, it takes two years for that to come full circle. And honestly, I think folks at the end of that, they may not really see that full circle even beyond their two-year experience. But it, it really happens in the beginning. And I think you have to be super intentional about creating that Genesis seminar is what we call the first seminar of, the, of their two-year experience. And you have to be super intentional about designing three days that really cause that deep immersion and that connection with people. Because it's a blend. So each seminar is a blend of speakers and travel. And, and oftentimes, if you've got 30 folks, that's a lot of people to try to reconnect with or try to get a know on a deeper level. And so how we design that first seminar is especially important. Well, let's let's go through year one calendar. What are there different uh, cities on the program right now and the, the different objectives in those cities? Just so people have a point of reference today, we're in between year one and two. Um, so year one was just nearly a year ago today, p- close, um, and that was in Manhattan and Junction City, Rock Springs. Um, November is in Garden City. December was in Goodland and Colby. Then 2023 rolls around and we head to Topeka to the capital. Leavenworth, Kansas City, and then Washington, D.C. and Gettysburg, Pennsylvania happened in March of 23. So year one... You starting out in Western Kansas, and if I recall back to my class, the, the one of the adjectives I had was learned more about Western Kansas, which is truly rural compared to where where I grew up, and the different industries and the, the concerns about water and the cattle industry and, and things like that. How eye opening is that for some of the class members you see that don't come from that background? Garden City is the place for that to happen, right? Whether it's Garden City or Goodland and Colby. But personally, I really like Garden City being the launching part. Garden City just approach agri- approaches agriculture in a different manner. And I mean that in a positive light. And so they are, you know, how can we make that happen? 
and their total focus every day you'll hear from some of is people and water water and people right and so as kansans and people that live in the midwest if we can figure out water and people people and water that solves a lot of our issues and so i think it's really just a great launching point for the class and it also the size the scale you know of um the pace of change, the acceleration of how things have developed and evolved. Um, and Garden City's been really good to Carl since the beginning. And it doesn't mean that we wouldn't explore other places in southwest Kansas because, gosh, there's a lot of there's a lot happening in that part of state from innovation and technology. The class this summer did a summer social out west. And so and I think those summer socials could really set a that's probably another conversation we could have later today but can really set the stage to have a grander grander conversations about involving the network yeah i think there's a little bit of development and it's got to be encouraging for you to see them to take that initiative to have their own their own summer social but even the car rides for the class we call it the carl pool uh you know when you have that time traveling from manhattan to garden city you get to, to learn a lot about your fellow classmates that's honestly maybe where some of the debriefing comes from, right? So right. you're also looking at what we're going to look at this week or maybe uh, as you ride home, some of that unpacking of what we learned. And with each class, Aaron, and I think you would probably relate to this from your experience, there's just a, a consistent desire to allow for that opportunity to dig deeper, to have a greater understanding of all of the issues. And there's never enough time in the seminar or to pack all of that in true true i i back to garden city again it really is a machine that makes southwest kansas run you've got the dairies and the beef industry the water issues the labor issues uh the the speakers the guests that you have in that part of the state at that session is there anything they won't share with the group they're pretty transparent about the realities of life aren't they they're really honest super honest and you know at times and I think that class is privileged to conversation with those leaders or those folks that have that technical expertise in that area that probably everyday conversations with folks if you were to drop in and on one of these folks you wouldn't be able to have that conversation with people and so I think most of those speakers are more real with the class than maybe they otherwise would be yeah and the other realities of the state, especially the, the Southeast Kansas session where you, you address some issues about the state in the past that aren't necessarily so so positive with, with the mining. Uh, and then also, of course, visit to Leavenworth Prison, which is an entirely different thing. You know, what, what kind of purpose does that serve visiting a, a prison, do you think, to the class? Well, and I like to think about we expose folks, associates in the class to just things you otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to see. And I think the prison is <laughs> to understand the penal system, how it impacts rural Kansas, how it impacts the work that we do, how it, how do you help folks transition back to our communities later? Um, it, it really is a and to have a greater understanding of that system, really, it makes us a complete Kansan, right? And so there's some business and industry in particular in that Northeast Kansas area that are really at the forefront of how do we 
assimilate these folks back into our communities. And they've actually made some workforce. So they're all honestly attacking some workforce development issues with people from the penal system. Right. And so they're getting a second chance at life. And, you know, prison isn't meant to be a, a sentence for life. Well, it could be. For some. <laughs> yeah. Depending on what you do. But uh, if you do get released, right, how do we kind of assimilate them back into society? Yeah. So you end year one, uh, as you mentioned, with the trip to Washington, D.C. and the Gettysburg experience. You're trying to squeeze a lot. It's It's got to be hard to plan that on exactly what you want to do in D.C. and still tie the Gettysburg experience in. So let's talk first about D.C. I, I would say this class, compared to the first two or three Carl classes, Probably a lot of them have been to D.C. maybe once, maybe twice. So how, how do you find the range of uh, run the gamut of things in D.C. to kind of cover all the bases uh, for the different members of the class? And that's tricky. You're absolutely right. There's some folks that could give a tour of right. Washington, D.C. with their experience level. But, you know, with folks, that makes the overall experience better for the class. I think it deepens that experience of what happens in D.C. Um, Kansas is blessed to have a lot of talent um, that call Kansas home who also live in Washington, D.C. And so those folks have made an investment in extending their learning, what they're working on from a policy perspective to the class. And so we try to really break it up into policy. So having a greater understanding of policy, spending some time on the Hill and then also spending time at the NGOs. Right. And certainly there's not enough time. Like you said, we pack a lot in that week. And honestly, I am I think as a curriculum committee, we're struggling with how do we find more time for that week. What do the politicians think of the CARL program? They're very generous with their time, obviously. All try to make an effort to meet with the class. They, 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 they certainly do hold a high opinion of the class, don't you think? Absolutely. And so we, um, I don't want to get in trouble for being political or not being political here, but, uh, you know, Senator Morantz, when he addressed the class this year in Washington, D.C., he shared that he's never not met with a Carl class when oh, really? we've been to D.C. And then from the <clears throat> House side, we have tremendous support from the House side as well for the program. Uh, Tracy was a former board member. Right. Um, so um, we're very fortunate in that regard that there's um, people both on both sides that care about Carl and recognize the value of the experience. And they have the advantage of seeing what those class members become down the road Mm -hmm. and see that success there. So the Gettysburg experience is something really special, I think. So uh, tell us how that became to be and, and what that's all about. So I would agree with you that the Gettysburg experience is, and maybe even for some, Aaron, it's a highlight over the international travel. Wow is um, it's kind of an emotional, you're kind of a, if you can imagine when March arrives, they've been meeting weekly. And so just the pace of Carl at that point is almost like a full-time, part-time job. And so, and these folks are busy people. They've got lives. And so the Gettysburg Leadership Program came around through Doug Hoffbauer, Mark Winger, Farm Credit Associations of Kansas. They, you know, Doug slid a piece of paper to me across at a board meeting one time in Lindsburg, and he's like, if we're going to Gettysburg, we need to do this. And so it was from that slide of that piece of paper that day that it, it came to be. There were some folks in the previous class who likened it to the best leadership experience that they'd ever had from a 
deeper immersion into things. And these folks had been, you know, they were at the upper end of their career, not the beginning of their career. And so I think that that lends a lot. And I think the cool thing about Gettysburg is you spend time in the classroom and you understand like what the generals and what people were thinking about that day. And then you go back out to the little round top and you talk about what they what the strategy was that day and what the life lessons so it's kind of like you get life lessons you get a little bit of history and you get to do that in one of the coolest battlefields in the united states yeah so who who teaches the leadership part of that so they are all through the gettysburg leadership fcc farm credit services has a um, they have staff that they staff so that's a they see other people, so it's a full-time kind of a arm of their business, if you will. So they have other folks that there's probably a staff of five probably that facilitate that conversation, plus the licensed battlefield guides that supplement what happens in the classroom. Well, great, great. I'm a little jealous that I haven't done that experience, but maybe someday I'll be able to visit that site. Um, the culmination, of course, of the, of the two-year class is... Um, the international travel, the study, um, the the Carl program's been all around the world. I, I don't know exactly how many countries, but you know Europe and I, I think almost every continent probably. Um, the next group or this current class, I should say, is is going to Spain, mm-hmm. and uh, what a great great choice for that class. And uh, I know I know there's been a scouting trip to Spain. Uh, without spoiling too much, what did you see and and what can the class expect from that trip? I think it'll be an exceptional experience. There's a member, a former board member, who's been very helpful in planning uh, probably half of the international travel. Um, and this person's feedback is that this was one of the best ever. Great. Right. And so uh, it's a different kind of agriculture than what we see here in the United States. But, but I think how when we approach international travel, Aaron, I think it's technical. Like how can we do some, learn from technical? How can we learn from their culture? How can we, food, food kind of goes along with culture. And then of course you can't do anything without having a little bit of fun, right? But the technical aspect, and then like, what can we bring home? Um, The last class went to the United Arab Emirates. And a lot of folks have questioned us why we went to United Arab Emirates. But I think it's more important than ever, like the why of the Midwest, why you would go to that part of the world. So how does that international study trip work? I mean, you're you're a three-person crew, the Carl program. Obviously, you can't be a travel agent at the same time. So how does that site get selected without disclosing too much confidential? And then how do you go about setting up a trip like that? So we have a first, we have a committee. And so that committee will kind of vet through They have a list of five or six countries, or maybe it's even a bigger list than that, of kind of like, here's where we've been, here's where we haven't been, here's places, and then kind of what's going on in the world influences where people are, where countries are on that list. From that, that committee works through, and then at that time, we will also, we work with a travel company, right? So you've alluded to it, we're a small staff, and there's just, and honestly, that's a technical space that we don't want to stub our toe, mm-hmm. right? And so ensuring that the class has an exceptional experience overseas and you don't want to drop any balls overseas or any with international travel. And so we've worked with a couple different firms in my time with Carl and I found both of them. They love to work with us. 
Carl's a member of an international association of programs for ag leadership. Um, and the program that we're work, the team that we're working with now probably does travel for 75% of the programs that are similar to us. Okay. So that international program representing a lot of different states and, and countries um, puts you on the spot. Where you've, you've seen the different state programs. Where do you rank Kansas? <laughs> Easy question. Softball. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a friend from Oklahoma sitting to my left. That gets me in trouble. Our producer, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to think that we do a good job with the work that we do. Right. There's some programs that have been around a lot longer than we do. We're all similar in how we're put together from those early days of those Kellogg monies. But I, I think we do a good job with what we do. And I think we're competitive in terms of the experience. I imagine you learn from each other and we interact do. with each other. We do. We'll head to uh, Virginia. So mm-hmm. each state often t- we have an annual meeting in October. Um, Kansas hosted in 2018, I think. And so you go and you spend three days at our annual meeting. And that's where we've actually brought some ideas home from that meeting that have made a positive impact on the program. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about the makeup of the class. I mean, the time is coming up to choose a new class. So we'll get into the details of that. But uh, the class is pretty diversified. Give us an example of, of some of the walks of life that these class members come from. It's not just farmers. Actually, you know, back in the beginning in the 80s, like or the early 90s, it was probably more higher percentage of full-time production agriculturists where today, like you said, it's not, which I think is just representative of society over that time. Uh, the current class has a makeup of young, so they range in age from 25 to 55, maybe a little bit north of 55. We have more women than men mm-hmm. in this class, which I think is the first time that we've done that. And they come from all over Kansas, all corners. And I like to think that we have a great diversity of thought, right? So there's folks that work at Farm Bureau. There's folks that work in healthcare. We have a, a nurse um, in the class, Cargill, representative man has a participant in the class. So just a, there's really quite diverse economic development folks. And I think they really, they invest a lot in each other and pour in a lot of each other. Communication specialist type folks. Yeah, it's a great class. Carl's name does have agriculture and, and rural in it, and I really think there is an emphasis on that rural part now. The, the challenge has got to be keeping the curriculum fresh and evolving that curriculum. You know, the classes have changed since, you know, class one in terms of technology, social media, the the lifestyles of people, how, how well-traveled they are. How do you keep in front of that? It's tricky. One committee on, we have several committees on our board of directors, but the curriculum committee, I think, is one of our stronger committees. No disrespect to the committee that you serve on. Thank you. It it really takes an army, right? And so what makes Carl better is the village of people that care about the work that we do, right? And so if it was fully dependent on me and my knowledge and what I know, we would fail every day. But the seminars are where the magic happens. And we really, for don- for donor support and for people to want to apply and be a part of the next class, we really have to stay focused on the seminars and that experience that's provided at the seminars. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about impact. Um, put you on the spot. What was, what was the impact to you when you graduated from the Carl program or through the entire process? So when I applied, Dana Woodbury and I were the youngest in our class. And uh, 
she was then Dana Harding. And so I, I think the network of the people that I had met in the class at that time, it was really life changing for me in terms of just setting me on a, and it's hard to quantify that, right? Like, how do you describe that? But, you know, there's people that we are working with today through the CARL program that were a part of the experience that I had. Um, and so, you know, I think God has a bigger plan for each of us. And I really think like what happened in my CARL experience and where I'm at today, it just set me on a trajectory in terms of meeting people, growing my network in the state of Kansas, it really began with my Carl experience all those many years ago. I, I agree with you completely. And I think what we probably need to do a better job is of, of asking if people are familiar with the Carl program and if they, in fact, might be a Carl graduate. You never know. There's a lot of uh, graduates out there or fellows, I should say, out there amongst the state. So, um, Time coming to choose a new class. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of that. What are the qualifications for uh, applying, the expectations, and the cost? The cost is $5,000 a year. It's payable over two years. So you pay $2,500 the first year and $2,500 the second year. Applications open January 1st of 24, and they will close April 1 of 24. And so there's really outside of kind of being within that age demographic, I think at the end of the day, as long as you care about Kansas, you care about trying to be a learner and be better at what you're doing. But I really think there's a spot for you and Carl, right? And so, but you have to have demonstrated some type of service or willingness to give back. Or, so it's at the end of the day, it's not like, how does it fully benefit Jill? How does it fully be- benefit Aaron? But it's like, what are we going to do with that? Because people are making an investment in us, and so as such, we should return that investment back and make our place a better, world a better place. And some may say, you know, that $5,000, how am I ever going to do that? But I, I think a lot of class members are pretty innovative about finding local business support and, and, and getting some financial support maybe from their employers. Probably more so than the cost that t- people talk about is time. But I think you're absolutely right, Aaron, in terms of cost. I think if people know that you're trying to better yourself, right, and so people are willing to make an investment in you. But I'm biased, but I think it's worth the investment of well, your money. Well, that $5,000 is certainly backed by a lot more money per mm-hmm. class individual. I don't know what that, that dollar amount is, but most of most of the funding for this class is, is privately fundraised, right? Right. So that question you posed there, what is your response to people who say, I, I, I won't have the time to do this? You'll hear Jerry McReynolds tell the story about how he adjusted his cabbing schedule, right? And right. so if people want to make that investment in themselves, I've never heard someone that's on the front side who has questioned regretted the commitment because the network, the relationships that you get as a benefit, I think far outweigh that. And I think we're all those types of people that I don't have time to be gone today. I don't have time to be gone today. But I think at the end of the day, you do. Yeah. Right. And it just causes us what's what's your busiest time before you go on vacation? Yeah. The days leading into your vacation. Right. And so it just if you can be very intentional about your preparation, I think the benefits of that preparation to be gone far outweigh. A lot of times people just want to be asked. I'm willing to help, Aaron. If you're willing to go somewhere and better yourself. Absolutely. I got your back. And there are no sessions in the summertime. So, uh, you know, we do kind of uh, dance around that. People who might consider applying, just go visit the website, mm-hmm. com. Absolutely. And honestly, they if they share their email addresses with us now, then we start to 
we don't overload their email boxes, but we do start to share information like you've been nominated, here's where you go to receive information. And people can self-nominate too. They don't have to be nominated by someone, mm -hmm. but uh, if they'll share their contact information with us, we're happy to get in touch with them. Before we wrap up the discussion, I, I wanna visit or circle back to the fellows program because you, you have done a lot and, and taken on a lot to, to further that and really expand on what's available to the fellows. So tell us what that is. I mean, you've, you've had these, what you, you classify as the big event, mm -hmm. and, then, and then we'll talk about some of the other travel opportunities too. So the big event came around through um, conversations that we had with that IPAL group. And so the big event is what was for Carl in previous years was the announcement of one class and the graduation of another class. And so we bring those those two events together into the big event. And honestly, it, it's a great networking event, right? And so what we've talked about earlier, we've got to continue to provide opportunities for us to come together and to, I think what's unique and cool about Carl you're a weedy. <laughs> I am, no doubt. <laughs> I'm a weedy too. But anyway, like, is it doesn't matter your background, whether you're wheat, corn, beans, livestock. It just brings back together a diversity of people that aren't specific to any one organization. And so I, economic development people. And so in 20, 2022, I thought that was a really cool event, right? And it just had all of these people in the same room at the same time. And so I think that's one of the best opportunities available for Carl is to continue. Uh, we had the big gathering this summer and we had over a hundred people was there. Great. Yeah. And so in those types of deals, you try to mix a little fun, a little bit of engagement. Um, and just so that people look forward to, I don't know who's going to be there, but there's probably somebody from the network that will be there. And so you just never know what will come from those conversations. Yeah. Being a Carl Fellow is a lonely thing if you don't interact with other mm -hmm. Carl Fellows. I strongly encourage it. So educational opportunities, network opportunities, and I'm really excited about Carl has started to do some uh, domestic and international travel opportunities that are, are, are essentially agriculture, rural experiences uh, designed specifically for the Fellows, which, which serve as also a bit of a fundraiser for the Carl program. And they've got one scheduled for Brazil at the end of January of this year into early February. Now, that program has sold out. It's sold out rapidly, which is, I, I think, encouraging two weeks, 14, 14 days of overseas travel. Um, but tell us about why you're doing that, what that kind of looks like. And then there is a, another opportunity for people maybe to get a chance to go on that trip. I think any time that we can offer travel opportunities... I think it's a win-win for Kansas. It's a win-win for those involved in agriculture. Um, you come together with a comp, you share a common vision of making our, where we come from better. And I think when we go and we, Aaron, you and I've been to Cuba, we've been to, um, we've done advanced tours to Spain. We've done, to, like you mentioned, domestic, but you go and you learn about other cultures. You bring things back that maybe you didn't know before. Um, an example I like to talk about is um, Dubai. They import 80% of their food into Dubai. That's staggering. So if we don't think about what happens in the middle of the United States matters, it does very much so matter. And so I think until just having a broader perspective 
of that. And so the greatest opportunity for learning often happens on international travel or learning about spaces outside of ourselves. And I just think it makes us better people when we come home and we have greater awareness and also maybe a greater appreciation for what's going on in our, where we call home. And I think it's uh, more special when you're traveling with your, your Carl fellows uh, to, to really engage with those experiences and, and share what you learned. So as I mentioned, that tour is full, but um, as a fundraiser, you're doing a, a raffle for uh, a spot on that trip. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so we're excited. This is the third year for kind of a benefit raffle, and it's $100 a ticket. And whoever the successful ticket is that we draw either has a chance to have a seat on the trip to Brazil. We've also reserved a companion seat. So if they want to bring a companion along, they would have that opportunity to do so. Should they not want to travel to Brazil, there's an opportunity they can just take a $5,000 cash as well. So it's really like your odds are probably greater to win this than all the big power balls and all that oh, stuff. Oh, certainly, much yeah. much better. These but you only it's five thousand dollars. It's yeah. not like millions and billions, right? But but these are the best odds you're going to have in some contests. So. Yeah, and it supports a great cause. Yeah, and I hope the winner would take the spot on the trip. That's uh, that's a value closer to six thousand or, or probably higher than that, and and an experience that most won't get to do because it's not just a tourist trip to Brazil. It truly is digging into agriculture and culture. People can learn more about it and buy a raffle ticket, again, at the CARL website. Is that the best way to do it? Yep, carlprogram.com. Okay. Well, Jill, um, the CARL program is certainly legendary. That's the the tagline for the CARL program. But it it does rely on individuals and businesses for support. And I know you're um, with the board starting a, a bigger venture, maybe to raise some more funds for the longevity of the program. Uh, any any final words for people who might consider supporting the program and, and how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, just reach out to us um, at the carl, carl at ksu.edu is a great way to connect with us. And, you know, we've talked about the village earlier today, Aaron, and it just, it takes a village of people that care, right? So any worthwhile project that we've ever, you've been involved in or I've been involved in, it takes an army of people that care. There's many ways that you can support the CARL program through your times, talents, and treasures. And certainly it takes a lot of treasures, you know, for us to be able to grow the experience. But the board is super committed right now to elevating the experience for the program. And I think it's the best way to honor, you know, those 20 individuals that came together in the late 80s to where the program spawned from. I think that's why we were called here today to do those things is to make this program a better program. Be remiss in not mentioning uh, one of the individuals who was the charge behind this program, your your friend and mine, Dr., uh, the late Dr. Barry Flinchbaugh. Uh, I think you would be proud of what the program was become. But, uh, you know, in your discussions with him, why, why did he think Carl was important? Barry was all about people, right? He loved students. He loved learning. Um, he loved the fellows that you know, went to Washington, D.C. to make things better. There's a lot of learnings that we can learn from what I think some of his work was timeless, right? right? The Kings and Kingmakers speech, uh, which, you know, their family gave us the blessing to develop a fund and name it the Kings and Kingmakers Fund. His teachings really were, and he cared about people. He's one of the few people that, if you think about the tax policy work he did and things like that, those are still laws today that impact Kansas. And so, 
he just cared about Kansas, right? And may, and he was a Pennsylvania Dutchman, right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, you know, and I, I can't say why, but he loved leadership. He loved people. And he, Kansas had tried to start a program several times, and it really took Barry saying, putting the people in the room um, to say, let's do this. And so... I think we're grateful for his leadership in that yeah. regard. In a lot of ways, all the Carl Fellows are students of his, uh, whether they took his class or not. So, Absolutely. Jill, it's been a pleasure. Always. Thank, thank you for joining us and telling us more about the Carl program. And again, anyone listening to this podcast, I encourage you to uh, go to the Carl website, learn more about that Brazil trip uh, and how you can support the program, leaving your own legacy, maybe a long-term gift for the Carl program. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. My thanks to Jill Zimmerman with the Carl Program for joining us for this episode of the Wheats on Your Mind podcast. If you have any questions for any of our guests or have a topic you'd like us to cover in the future, please email us at podcast at kswheat.com. My name is Aaron Harries. Thanks for listening.